Very good. Good morning. Welcome to Stuttgart Harvest Church. We're glad that you're here. This is week number three of a four-part series uh, called Losing Your Religion. Uh, This is something that we have learned from one of our mentors, Andy Stanley, and we're doing our best really just to present this to you as purely, as uh, accurately as we learned it. And so um, it's uh, because it was motivating and inspirational to us, we want to pass it on to you. Uh, The fact that we are kind of religious leaders, really, um, as your pastors, we, it, it would seem weird for us to say this next line, but Religious people can be really strange, <laughs> really weird, bizarre, and also they can just make you angry. They can just make you angry because some that are really dogmatic, they come to you and they're like, you have to believe the, what I believe, and what I believe is right and what you believe is wrong. And even if you're one of those people, then when someone else comes to you and says that, then they irritate you, right? It's just irritating because it can become so dogmatic because... The people who believe that they have all the right and everything else is wrong. Um, And then we have this rule uh, when we gather with our families that we don't talk about politics and we don't talk about religion, right? Because for some reason it's all full of God. Uh, Most religions are about God. And and most religions have a God who is some kind of God of love. But yet when we come together we can't talk about this God of love because... We certainly don't do it very lovingly, do we? And so it's just one of those topics that's, that we don't talk about. Um, we also have a tendency to um, maybe go to another extreme where we might say, well, it really doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe something and hold on to that something because maybe you say or you've heard someone say that all paths lead to the same place ultimately. Just choose a path and stick with it, Right. But if you ever talk to someone who has chosen a path, then you talk to them and they're probably going to say, no, not all paths go to the same place or lead to the same place. You know, um, so it's hard to say, though, that what you believe is all right and what other people believe is all wrong. Let me tell you why that's a difficult statement to say and to hold to. Well, frankly, because it's just not true. Because we share things with other religions even. I mean, we all have some form of the golden rule, you know, that says do unto others as you would have them do unto you. We all have some kind of form of that. So we share that. In fact, there was a guy named C.S. Lewis who was a philosopher, and um, he didn't become a Christ follower until late in his life or later in his life, in his adult life. And he um, kind of studied the world religions, and he compiled this list of commandments that almost all the major and even some minor world religions share, some commands that they have in common. And so we just thought, well, let's, let's see if we do share these, because let's see if, if they fit the other world religions, let's see if they fit into ours. So we have a list of eight of those here, and here's the first one. First one says, don't harm others with word or deed. And I think we could, yeah, find support for the, from the Bible for, the, for us. So we could say, yeah, that's part of our belief system. Number two is honor your parents. And clearly that sounds like it came out of Scripture. That sounds familiar. Number three, be kind to siblings and the elderly. Not sure why they put those together, but thank, C.S. Lewis did that. We'll thank him. Thank you. Yes, that sounds like something we could find support for in the Scripture. Number four. Be honest in all your dealings, you know, be an honest person. Number five, don't lie. These sound like they're coming straight out of the Bible, right? But these are things that are shared between all the religions, the major religions of the world. Don't lie. Number six, don't have sex with another's spouse. 
Yeah. Straight out of the Bible, right? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds, sounds reasonable. Number seven, care for those who are weaker. All right, yeah. Put others first. Number eight, put others first. So those all sound like things that could come out of the Bible, right? And all these religions have something in common. We can include Christianity with this. They all have something in common. They have this list of things that you ought to do and things that you ought not to do. But they also share this, that all, that all the believers, the followers of these world religions, including Christianity, would say, we have this list of things to do, but we're not good at doing it. You know, we have this list, but we fail a lot. We mess up a lot on this list. Here's what we ought to do. Here's what we should not do, but we're not good at following the list. So let's just test ourselves here very quickly. We're going to put this whole list up on the board. Let's test ourselves. This is going to be a response time, um, and we're going to let's do it by just raising our hands. Okay. So here's the first one. Let me find my button. Here's the first one right there. Don't harm others with word or deed. Have you ever, at all, ever at any point in your life harmed somebody with what you have said, or maybe you wanted to slap? No. Let's just say with what you said. I'm going to have to put two hands up there. I've, I've had some double, double whammies there, so yes. Okay, next one, honor your parents. Have there ever, has there ever been a time in your history since you were born that you dishonored, disrespected a parent? Yeah, that's got us too. Yeah, good. Okay, be kind to siblings and the elderly. Um, let's just say siblings because we might hate each other if we say we were unkind to elderly. So. Hey, hey, when I was like five, my sister locked me outside my underwear. I was not so kind to her. After and, that. I, and that was not very kind of her <laughs> either. Your, your sister is a sinner. <laughs> so she definitely has failed. Let's send her a letter. I love um, be kind to siblings, Neller. Uh, be honest in all your dealings. Have you ever, have you ever, just withheld some information that maybe you shouldn't have withheld? Um, you're filling out an insurance form or something, and okay, yeah, okay, gotcha. Um, me too. Um, don't lie. Okay, here's the next one. How many of you are considering lying when we come to this one right here? <laughs> you're thinking, you're saying, I know, I'm, I know that the church has gathered in this movie theater, but I'm straight up not going to raise my hand. <laughs> so let's go back to this one. How many of you have ever not told the truth before? That got us all. And if your hand's not raised, then yeah, you're lying right now. Okay. So we got you there. Me too. Um, okay, let's read. Let's. Uh, how many of you? Hmm. How are we going to handle that one? Uh, how many of you know someone? How many of you know someone that has not, or you saw it in a movie? They were not. They had sex with someone else's spouse. So you saw it in a movie. I saw that in a movie once. Okay. Um, so you understand what we're saying. We have this list. And all the world religions do have a list that says these are the things you should do. These are things you shouldn't do. This is just a sample of those. And we have all admitted as we've gone through this list that we have failed. We have failed to meet the standards somehow. We have failed. And all religions share that. They have that in common. They say here are the rules. Here are the commands. Here, are, are, here is the list, but we're not good at keeping it. 
And because we did not keep the list, religion tells us this, we are now at odds with God. Something is broken. Something is broken. We don't have to even be religious to understand this, really. Because, as we said in week number one, um, we have standards of our own that we have set for ourselves. In fact, every January 1st, we set a resolution and we fail, don't we, by January 3rd. <laughs> we have standards that we set for ourselves. So we understand, certainly, if we have standards that we have broken on our own, certainly we can understand, a very small step to understand, that God has standards that we have missed as well. We've fallen short. And because we've messed up, because we've fallen short, because we have sinned, as the Bible would call it sin, because we have, then we carry around guilt, a boatload of guilt, it's huge, and it's big, and many of us have tried religion to take the guilt away. And sometimes now, after that, maybe you find yourself drinking too much or self-medicating or, or apologizing your way out or trying to make up, trying to buy gifts your way out of the guilt. But we find that we can't really do anything about it because we can't go backwards and change the past. We blew it. We can't change it, and we're stuck with it. Regardless of how much guilt we have and regardless of what we do to try to make it better or to try to make up for the past, we can't. And that's what religion, all religions have in common. They say this, what do we do with our past? The guilt we have is real, very real. We've messed up. Now what do we do about the past? And religious, religion brings us to that. What do I do with my past? What do I do with my failure? Because I can't seem to move past my failures. And then Jesus Christ shows up on the scene and is, it, is, it is announced to the world, this is good news for all mankind. Amen. Why is it good news? Because it was not just for the Jews. It was not even just for the Christians who would be later called Christians. It's it's not just for the religious, it's not just for tribes, a specific tribe or a specific culture. Even if someone did not or does not believe in God, it is still for them. He came to offer a solution to the problem that all religion creates or makes us aware of. God came to address what all religion brings us to, which is this. I know what I ought to do, but I have failed. Donnie, take us into the Scripture. Right. This morning we're going to look at a passage of Scripture from Romans chapter 8. And Paul wrote this here. Paul wrote manuscripts that make up about half of the New Testament. Um, so, and he wrote these just a few years after Christ was, was on earth. And in this letter that we're going to look at this morning, it was not to the, the Jewish religious people. It was actually to, to the Romans. That's hence the name, Romans. Um, so the content, though, is what we're going to focus on here, and it's, it's amazing to me, and it's super relevant for us today. And the question that it, it addresses is this question of, what do I do with my failures? This guilt, what do I do with the disappointment? How, do, how does Christianity deal with that? How is it any different? And listen to how Christ addresses this problem in what Paul says here in Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 1. The verse will be on the screen here. 
It says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. This term condemned here, it's, it's actually a legal term. And it means to, to be tried, to be found guilty, and to be ready to be shipped off to prison. To be condemned. No hope. Religion condemns. When you look at this list of, of do's and don'ts and you, you measure yourself up to them and you say, I'm condemned. Or if you're not a religion person, religious person and you have this list of, of rules that you have on your own that you've come up with and you can't even live up to those rules, so you're condemned. Or maybe your friends or those around you condemn you. But once we are connected to Christ, we're no longer condemned by God. In verse 2 he continues, he says, And because you belong to Him, talking about Christ, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Paul says here there are two powers at play. There's this power of sin that leads to death. And when you sin, when you miss this standard of perfection, which we all do, something dies. And when we sin, when, when we, in, in deed or in, in our words, like C.S. Lewis said, um, it wounds relationships. And not only relationships between us and other people, but sin has ruined or came between us and the relationship with our Heavenly Father. It has destroyed that relationship. When we sin, something dies. It's just the, the power of sin or the law of sin. And, and then he goes on to talk about this second power, which is, is greater than the first. You can think of it like this. Uh, the power of gravity, it, it's a constant um, power here, here on earth. If, if you're here on earth, it's, if you get outside of space, of course, there's no gravity. But here... We have gravity, and if you've ever flown in an airplane, you've overcome that gravity through, through physics, through uh, lift, and, and all that. Paul goes on to say, he says, this power, this life-giving spirit, power of the spirit, is greater. It, it's not that the, the power of sin is gone. It's just the power of life through forgiveness and grace from our Heavenly Father is greater than the power of sin. And you've, you've experienced this in maybe in a relationship you've had and you've just blown it. You've messed up. You've said something. You've done something. Um, and you can't take it back. And if you've tried to make amends, um, tried to do better and do good and make it up, but the only way that you can restore that relationship is for the other party, for the other person to give you permission to enter back into that relationship. And God has chosen, not because of what you do, but God has chosen to invite you back into a relationship with Him. And not based on our promise to keep laws, but based upon Him extending forgiveness that we could by no means earn. And the power of sin and death, like I said, it doesn't go away. Just the power of life through God's Spirit. It supersedes that. And it's available to anyone, like Harley said, of any language, of any race, any religious background. And God did this through His Son, Christ. 
You know, religion just lets us know of our need. Um, you can think of it like like a mirror, and you wake up in the morning, you don't know what your hair looks like, and then you look in the mirror, and it doesn't look I so I mean, we good. have an idea, but when we look at the mirror... And the law is like that. Religious law is like that. When we compare ourselves to it, we say, we're not so good. We don't, we don't measure up. We don't look so good. Religious, religion lets us know of our need, and God answers that need with his son. And the only thing that will restore our relationship with our Heavenly Father is that gift of grace. Paul continues talking about the law here in verse 3. He says, The law of Moses was unable to save us because of our weakness, of our, because of the weakness of our sinful nature. Paul says, There is something in me, something in you, that is unable to keep the law perfect. It's called a sinful nature. And the, the only thing that the law can do is condemn. It can't save you. It just condemn you, condemns you. It's powerless to save you. Think about it like this. If you were, say, doing 80 and a 55, um, I don't ever do that, but I, I know some people who have on occasion. Um, but say you're doing 80 and a 55 and you get pulled over. You're obviously breaking the law. You can't appeal to another law to get out of the law that you just broke. It, the law just condemns you. Pick any religious, any religious system, any religion, whatever law it is. It's powerless to save you. And what religious was, religion was powerless to do, God did. God did by sending not an easier list of rules, but that's somehow sometimes how we live, right? We, we rationalize it, but we're still guilty. We may feel a little better, but at the end of the day, we, we are still guilty. Paul continues to, to flush out this whole law thing in verse 3. He says, so God did what the law could not do. And you know, guys, this is why we, we celebrate Christmas and celebrate the birth of Christ. Um, and and if, if you're still investigating the claims of Christ or you're skeptical of what the Bible says, um, just think with me for a minute. Um, if the first-hand uh, eyewitness accounts of, of what Jesus said and did in the Bible are true, that, that changes things, right? And that's why we celebrate Christmas. But listen, as he goes on to say, he says, He sent his own son in a body like the body we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Not just the sins of the Jewish people or the Christian people, but the sins of all people. And Jesus has extended this offering of forgiveness and grace to everyone. What religious systems were powerless to do, God did through Jesus. Harley, uh, go ahead and take us to the rest of that passage. So in verse 4, Paul says this, He, that's, that's God, did this so that the just requirement of the law, and that means, uh, which includes those eight things we just talked about, 
the requirement and many more, the requirements of the law. He did all of this. He sent his son and the bodies, as, as Donnie said, the bodies like ours. That means Jesus came here as God and lived, was born into this flesh so that he could live. He, he did this so that the just requirement of the law, the law has to be met and we have failed at meeting that law. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us. Because we could not do it. He satisfied it for us. And now offers to us what he satisfied. Because we could not. We can't meet the requirement. We have already failed. But he met it. And Jesus, God gives us the standing that he has, which is a right standing with God, and he offers that to you and me. I can't do it. I know that I can't. I know that I have failed to meet his standard. And he gives us this gift, something I cannot earn. I haven't worked for it hard enough, and I can't. And I can't deserve it. And he took my death, he took my condemnation, my punishment, he took it all for me in my place. And now he gives me freely, gives me what I do not deserve and what I can't work for and I can't deserve. It's a right standing with God. He does for me what I cannot do for myself. And it's not just for one race. It's not just for one culture. It's not just for one country. It's not just for one religion. It was for everybody. One time for all. But the dilemma of all religion is what do I do about me? What do I do about my past? And what do I do about my failure? What do I do about my sin? And religion brings that to the surface. And then God answers that question. And he says, I have the solution. It's my son. And in him, I'll give you forgiveness. And I'll give you grace. And there still may be consequences. I mean, we still may have broken relationships here on earth. And we still may have trouble here on earth. But I will give you a right standing with me. That's what God offers us. He says, I'll give you a right standing with me, but it only comes through Jesus Christ. All religions can bring us to that point that says, I can't meet the list, whatever the list is, but only God says, I'll make you right through Jesus Christ. Religion points to three things. It says, here's what we ought to do. And then we don't do it. And then it tells us we are now at odds with God. But the message of Jesus, what I could not do, what you could not do for yourselves, God did for us by sending Jesus Christ as a sacrifice for my sin. And what does that mean for you? Whether you're Baptist or Catholic or Bapticostal, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Whether you're Hindu or Buddhist, it doesn't matter. 
all religion says this. Here's the list. You and I have failed. And now we have a broken relationship with God. And just at the right time, God came to our rescue. And he sent Jesus Christ, the Son, the one and only Son of God, God himself, to this earth, to put on this flesh, to walk and to live on this earth, not to make our lives better. He came to walk to the cross so that we could be connected with God. You know what Donnie said just a moment ago? He said, when we sin, something dies. When we sin, something dies. And when we sin, when we broke those commandments, we know we messed up relationships here on earth. And those broke. But we also broke our relationship with God our Father. And only the person of the broken relationship can invite you back into relationship. And that's exactly what God your Father has done for you and for me. He said, you broke the relationship, but I am sending Jesus back here on this earth to live this life perfectly and sinlessly so that he can walk to the cross, which was no accident. And let me tell you, friends, the cross, as brutal and as horrible as it was, it was not a tragedy. It was an event staged by God himself so that he could invite you back into relationship with him. And that's what he's doing this morning. He says, I invite you. I gave you the law. And with the law, you could see that you could not meet my level of righteousness and holiness. You couldn't do it. But I already knew that. I already knew it. Jesus was not the backup plan. Jesus was the plan. He walked to the cross for you and me in our place, died and defeated death three days later. Defeated the power of sin and death with the power, the law of life. And he did that for you and me. For all of those who choose to say, God, I need you, I can't do it. He offers you forgiveness. To do for you what we have been trying to do for ourselves. We have been trying to make things right. And we have been trying to live better. And to do better. And to be better. Maybe if I follow the laws better this year. Then God will look at me favorably. Maybe if I can live better this year. But God says you can't. You've tried. But I've done it for you. Through Jesus Christ. This morning, we're going to give you the opportunity to thank him. Maybe you have uh, been in church your whole life or in and out of church. Maybe you listen to Caleb every single day. And you know what they sing about and you know what the songs are about. Maybe, maybe you are, though, even though you have some religious experience and you have a, a, an affinity towards God's things and may. 
maybe though, even though that has happened, maybe now you're realizing that you have been leaning on yourself and your own ability to change and to be better and to do right to earn God's favor. Maybe you're realizing that you can't do it. There are people in churches all over Stuttgart this morning, including Stuttgart Harvest Church, that have been in and out of church their whole lives. And with their head, they understand that Jesus died for them. But with their lives, they are still trying to live in such a way as to earn or deserve God's love. And if you are doing that, or if we are doing that, we are still living under the law. And the law says we are condemned. If you live under the law, you will die by the law. But Jesus says, I've done it for you. I have met the standard for you. And he's inviting you back as only he can do into a relationship with himself. So this morning, our bottom line says this. Religion, all religion, leads us to our need for a savior. And God answered that need with Jesus. A savior for anyone who will trust him. So, at the close of this morning, we're simply going to invite you to say to God, I, I've, I've been trying to earn it. God, I, I have been trying to be better. I have been trying to do better. I have failed and I have hurt people. I have broken relationships and I am trying to do better. God, will you please look at me with favor because I'm trying to live better. But that's living by the law. All we can do is simply look to the cross and say, Jesus, there is where you made it better. There is where you paid the debt. And then scripture points us to the empty tomb. There is where he defeated death. And there is where he proved that he was God. And this morning we're just simply going to give you the opportunity to say, God, I can't do it. I've tried to do it and I can't do it. I have failed. But you did it for me. And then we pursue God and we serve God not because we are guilty. And not because we are indebted to God. Not because we owe him something. Because he, we have nothing he needs. He paid our debt. The debt has been erased. So we don't serve God and pursue God to pay him back. We pursue God 
because we love him. And only someone like God could die for someone as messed up as me. So we serve him because we love him. Not because we're trying to get his favor. Maybe for the first time this morning you're realizing that. Maybe you've been in and around God and religious things your whole life. But maybe this morning for the first time you're realizing I have been trying to get God's favor by living right and I keep failing. And maybe for the first time you're ready to say I need to move from being under the law and move into forgiveness and being under the cross and the grace of Christ. And I'm going to pray a prayer, and it's just simply a me too prayer is what we call it. You don't even have to say me too out loud, just in your heart. If what I am saying is what your heart is saying. If while we have been speaking about God's word this morning, something inside of you has drawn you and has said, that's it. That's what's been missing. That's, that's it right there. If your heart has been compelled, that is not Donnie. That is not myself. We don't have that kind of influence. It's God's Spirit speaking to you, saying, that's it. That's what I've been saying, what my word is saying. That's it. That's what you've been missing. You've been under the law, and I'm ready to put you under grace. And this morning, you can do that by just simply saying, me too, God, me too. I'm going to say a prayer. And if what I am praying is what your heart is echoing for the first time in your life, very genuinely, if this is you, that just in your heart say, me too. That's me too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I believe that what the law couldn't do, the law could not save me, but you could. I believe that through Jesus Christ, all my condemnation that I deserve can be taken away. I believe that on my best day, I'll never be righteous enough, not on my own, God. I believe you are the offering for me, the gift of righteousness, Jesus. That's what you were. And you offer me a right standing with you, God. And I'm so thankful. And it happens through your son, Jesus. So now, I'm placing my faith, my trust in your son's death on the cross as the absolute payment Payment in full. Nothing else owed. Paid in full. And it's because of my sin. But you paid it in full. And now God I don't owe you anything. Because you paid my debt. And Father that makes me so grateful. And that makes me thankful. Father please allow this simple truth to move from my mind down into my heart so that emotionally I can even know the power of being forgiven. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, your son, Emmanuel, God with us, living here among us. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.